Welcome to the Casey Catch-Up. we got Josh Kuhl and we're talking downwind month, July. It's coming. And um, a few of us have been training for races like Molokai Suwahu, Maori Molokai, Hood River. And there's a race up in Cairns, northern Queensland, for the Great Barrier Reef Ocean Challenge. I know people I'm coaching are all getting pretty excited for those races. And uh, Josh and I have been chatting a bit about all the racing and done a bit of training together too. And basically we just wanted to hype it up a bit and uh josh had a few questions he wanted to ask me and i wanted to see how his training's going so we decided let's let's whack it on the potty um yeah so- i wanted to kind of i kind of wanted to nearly interview you so we'll see <laughs> like i want to kind of pick your brains so let's let's yeah. see where this takes us yeah this is cooey's catch up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well um first of all let's 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 start talking about molokai and and it sounds like the course is going to be as it has been. So starting um, where it's always started just off the island of Molokai and finishing, um, you know, in on the beach at Hawaii Kai, um, the wingers sound like they're going to finish out a little bit further and um, basically at China Wall, but the the sup foils from, the, from what I can gather are going to be starting and finishing the same as what it always has been. So... Personally, I'm happy with that, but I know there's a lot of people that that are not because it's the the finish is uh it's not what we normally do when we go for a downwind foil. You don't normally pump up wind for two k's. Um, so what do you think of that, Josh? Like you've never done it, but um, what's your I, feeling on the course? I kind of I like the idea how it's a extremely tricky course because it sounds like the M2M is pretty straightforward. So it's nice to change it up and have one course that, you know, the variables are very different versus a straight downwind for the M2M. So, you know, if we had two races that were straight downwind, it'd be kind of similar. I know conditions change, but I kind of like the idea of having this magic foil that can paddle up in the flats, go mega fast in the swell, and then you can pump against a headwind. So the unicorn. I think it's good. <laughs> I, th- yeah, I think it's good for the sport. Like you know, because people are really making crazy prototypes that can nearly do all that now, which is it's it's really good for foiling. So I, yeah. I kind of back it. And yeah. like and and also, I'm not saying I'm a, a guru or anything, but like you know, I've done plenty of 50k downwinds now, and I know I can do it. So you know, when you got a course that's a little bit crosswind, then going upwind and starting in the flats it gives you something to train towards. And I think that's good because or else maybe I would have taken a bit more of a lazy approach where I would have been like, oh, I could do that. Like, you yeah, know. you kind of want to be scared by the course, I think is the is the takeaway. You know, you don't want it to be, oh, I've done it before, I can do 50Ks. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think um, uh, Marcus, I spoke to Marcus about it the other day and he's like, he was excited that it wasn't going to be that like it was just going to be in the wind line to finish the wind line because he's like, man, he's done it. Um, and he said the upwind paddle sucks. He said it's brutal. Um, but I think foil choice, you know, and and in 2019 it was a pretty windy year, which was really good for the channel and the start. But but a really windy year means you got a really strong offshore breeze at the finish. So I'm kind of hoping for not howling winds <laughs> in in some respects because then you've got an easier finish and a slightly harder start, I guess. But 
Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think there's so many variables. And uh, I guess, you know, you talk about the sub two minute Ks and Boyle's getting better. We're just, we're both talking about um, Kane and um, long arm, long armed apes, um, sub two minute K, like average run um, over on Maui. Conditions obviously very good, but Foyle's obviously highly tuned to be that consistent. Um, pretty impressive. Um, we're just saying there's only been a couple of runs that uh, in the last sort of six months that, that we've... Have you done under two, Josh? I haven't, no. I'm still waiting to crack that two-minute mark, which um, I feel like I'm edging there closer and closer. But, um, yeah, I think it's just coming down to technique now. I'm not quite choosing the right lines to keep that average super high. Yeah, and conditions too. Like there's definitely there are lines to take and sort of force the issue. But when you're doing consistently under two and, you know, getting a bunch under 150, conditions are pretty good. Like it's, yeah. um, you know, you've picked a fast foil because the conditions are good. And when the conditions are that good, it's, it's you're just rolling with it, I guess. But uh, you got to have the foil, you got to have the conditions, you got to, be able to piece it all together so not discrediting what they've done it's super nah, impressive not, not at all not at yeah. all and i think i've seen you boys like when i say you boys i mean like james zane um and perth really pushing that two minute mark and it's been impressive because i feel like you know close we get into this race it's becoming more consistent that you guys are really pushing that mark i'm sure you've been doing it for a while now but it's just like it's good it gets like the community kind of, you know, their heads turning because it's becoming consistent, like this sub two minute thing where probably like a year ago, people would have been like sub two minute, like there's no way you could, you could do that. So, yeah, I remember, remember the first sub two I did was on the GoFoil RS1000 and that was like, that was very good conditions and a very good bump. And it was only, I think I only did it a handful of times. And then testing some access stuff, I got under the two, and then with the code stuff under the two as well. Hey, Jimmy, can we can we pause this for a sec? My in yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's so shit. I'm gonna. Go yeah, I just had a few Wi-Fi issues, but I think we sorted it. Um, we're just talking about the the conditions over in Maui, basically, and and Kane and Long Arm Day. They're super quick run. I just actually just saw a message on the one of the what uh, the LAFC chats, and Kane's on there, and I'm on there, the Darwin group, and. He was saying that he did a few slower Ks over two minutes because um, <laughs> there were lots in the 150s and 140s, so he's moving. I'm actually also stoked that it's become the norm that people are talking about their, their times in kilometres per hour. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen that. I, I was really interested in seeing that, how the boys are posting in kilometres an hour, which is like yeah. when I speak to Eric from the Progression Podcast, we're always converting miles to kilometres and it's just like, yeah, it just does does my head in that there's not like a you know I'm I'm happy to switch to miles but we got to make a standard a, yeah, yeah standard across the board but um, it, yeah I'm curious to know what good conditions are but did anyone mention what the conditions were like obviously they're good but what's good I, I'm gonna message Kane right now um <laughs> what, were the, what were the conditions this is just in the like, group chat. Yeah. Like, is it is it mega windy, but no swell, or is swell a decider of how you move fast? Or yeah, I think it's a combo because, um, like, obviously wind strength is going to help a lot, but if it's too strong winds, it can make it messy, and then it's hard to read, and falls are going to happen more often. So, um, and then if the wind, if the swell is completely flat and the wind's only been blowing for a little bit, 
Um, then Alessandro's just fallen over and hit his head there. <laughs> Sorry, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> but if the if the conditions are um, yeah, like I say, too flat and the wind hasn't been blowing for long enough, then it's like almost feels like a day run. And then if you have this, uh, to me, the perfect is like here in Sydney, what we've had is like 30 knots, a good direction, and it's been blowing for like five hours. It's like this mid period, so like seven to nine second period swell where you can ride it with the foils that we're on. Um, and it's not too messy um because it when it's super big and wild it's uh it's not it's easy it's limitations like, yeah yeah i reckon i don't know i've found that with that really i used to think really big swell like big period you'd go faster because maybe you're on those big swells for longer um but i've found that like it's exhausting because you're literally like maxing out your foil the whole time, bombing down these swells, but then you're nearly going back up the next swell and then dropping speed super quick. So then your averages aren't keeping high. You're just going really fast then dropping, really fast then yes, dropping. Exactly. So, so you have to learn how to, yeah, that's that's one of the lessons in my course, but it's like how to how to keep your speed up and, and navigate that while keeping your speed high and yeah. I did a video on how to go fast and people want to know how to go slow as well. And there's, there's, there's different techniques, I guess, um, for the conditions and depending on what you want to be doing, because, um, yeah, it's, it's so many variables, which is cool. And I actually just got a reply from Kane, um, which is pretty cool. It's like, a, we need to get him on as well. Um, <laughs> he said it was the second day of blowing 25 to 35 knots and exactly. it was bombing. He said it was, um, all time, at the, the top section was insane. So they started a bit further up from Maliko, sort of around um, Piahi. Um, and then they, below Maliko, was not all time. <laughs> so potentially, basically, what is from reading between lines, I feel like it was good at the top, but the second half could have been better. So, yeah. but 25 to 35 knots. So that's kind of goes in line with what I was saying, like 30 knots strength. That's kind of a happy medium because then it gets above like 40 and it's, and smoke on the water, you know, you don't really know yeah. what's going on. I don't on. even know if I've experienced over 30, 35, but I've found when it's over 30, you're nearly getting pushed off the board. Like your body becomes a sail, I yeah. reckon. And, and and when you're holding your paddle, I've found that oh, yeah, you get yeah. you're nearly like getting pushed. Like, yeah. and it's, yeah, it makes you wobbly and makes you unstable. Maybe that's why the Hawaii and, boys are putting it on the, on the back, you know, kind of push them through. <laughs> Yeah, true. paddles are blowing out of hands yeah <laughs> we don't have but yeah I, I really I, I really wanted to kind of pick your brains about this is my first race on foil or race in general at like any type of race that i've ever yeah. done yeah and um i've been to hawaii before but i've never been to maui um and yeah m2m is going to be my first race and yeah, I'm just like curious to know how it all goes down. Yeah, um, Mount Molokai is an interesting race. Um, I think it's easier to get lost on Mount Molokai than it is Molokai to Oahu, um, only because you you don't um, an escort boat isn't mandatory. Um, they've got sort of boats out there as safety um, and. Not too much can go wrong because 
it's only but maybe it's like 20 k's like or 15 k's across from from the, the northwestern tip of maui to the southeastern tip of um, molokai so it's not so you're, actually you're seeing where you're going you can you, obviously yeah, see where you're going right. you, you can see the island but you don't know where on the island you're finishing right um the first year i did it, it was really rainy and um I didn't know where I was going. And, it, I, you know, you talk to people with the briefing and they're like, oh, you can't get lost, it's easy. And it's like, oh, like you just want to make sure you get near the Kamalo buoy, which is just a red marker off, off um, Molokai. And they're like, from there, you can just go straight along the coast and you won't miss the um, the wharf. It looks like a shed. It's like a, a house on the water, it looks like from distance. Um, and for the most part, that's true. It's, it's hard to get wrong. Um, I've tested that though, because one year... Um, I did the, the Molokai Holokai and which is M2M and there was no Connor, there was no Travis. And I think it was me and Cody Kerbox were pretty much racing on the stand-ups and I was just having a really good time and I had a bit of a gap at Cody at the start. And I went really far left towards Lanai, which um, is a really fun direction to be going, but it's not the it's not the straightest line and it's not the the best line to make most of the currents. And I think I paddled an extra like five or six kilometers and I didn't see Cody for the whole race until the last two Ks. And as I was coming in from like way out wide, I saw him sort of coming up and he, he thought I'd finished ages ago, but I took a really bad line. So we talked about like setting a run line with your watch and, and Garmin, I've used Garmin for the last I don't know, eight years. My dad used to use Garmin when he did triathlons and when he did Molokai, he'd use Garmin. So I just use the same stuff. Um, you can set a run line so you can basically have like you've got to do it on a desktop you can't do it on a um on your phone you've got to get onto your you know laptop or whatever you've got at home and use the online garmin connect and you can set a run line and you can adjust it to sort of suit the, the run line you want to take but really you just want to go point a to point b and then you can see on your watch like there'll be like a line and you'll be able to tell if you're um i guess left or right of it and so on your watch you can look down there'll be an arrow pointing this way an arrow pointing that way so it tells you which direction to go. And if you're really close to the run line, it'll just be flipping both ways. Whereas if you're way off, it'll always be pointed one way. <laughs> so and does that does that cancel out what you normally see on your watch, like your last lap time and your average so, speed? No, it'll it'll have like an app. You can have that last lap time and average speed and whatever whatever else you want, heart rate, but it'll just have an arrow one way or the other. So sort oh, of, perfect. Yeah, okay. so it's it's pretty it's pretty good, and that's that's at least how my Garmin Phoenix Five has been to set up, and it yeah it's pretty sick. Um, you'd have to think about it, um, but that's definitely one of the anxieties I've been feeling with this race, and even like when I do downwinds over your side of the bridge, I always get confused where to come in, and oh, I feel like that's similar that's, headlands. Yeah. That's enough to kind of throw you off and kind of maybe you know zig a little bit in and then it's not the right place so then you zag back out and then yeah. you just waste some time and, and kilometers so yeah we're good training that, but yeah you wouldn't be want to be doing that for a race yeah um travis grant on an outrigger canoe did m to m one year I, I don't think it was even his first year doing it but he i think he was winning or he was it was a really good year and he was on an outrigger so I was sitting down couldn't see as much on the foil of the advantage that were up really high so we, uh, actually line of vision is much better, even than a stand-up. And obviously outrig is worse and then prone is even harder. Um, but he, he missed the finish line altogether. The bumps were so good. He just kept was just in the zone in race mode, just paddling and not looking around. And 
he looked at his watch, he's like, oh, I should be close to finish now. And he went like all the way to the, the boat harbour about another, I think it's like another 20 Ks. Oh, and shit. Um, he like basically was lost. Um, <laughs> it was a pretty, it's funny because he was fine. But if it wasn't funny, it could have been pretty bad yeah. um, if it wasn't fine. Um, but yeah, there, there are stories of people going overshooting it, um, undershooting it. Um, and then ending up on the night. So, yeah, right. so um, you definitely want to... Actually, the first year Zane Schweitzer did M2M, he ended up on Lanai on the foil. Um, first time he foiled M2M, he ended up on Lanai. I think the angle wasn't quite right and the foils were not quite at the level they are now. But um, he, I think he pretty much like was at the surf break at Lanai and then had to get picked up by an escort and drop him back on the line and then he finished from there. Oh, <laughs> but, wow. Um, yeah, so but there's... What? Things that can go wrong for sure. Yeah. What um? How does the logistics work? And I know you said that you you don't necessarily need a support boat for M two M, but uh, like all the different disciplines leaving at separate times, and then so is there always kind of like crew in front of you that you can kind of eye down or or yeah, like? So I, I haven't done it on the foil. So, but on the stand up, it was uh when I've done it on the stand up, the the subs go first. And then the um, the foils would go like an hour later or something, right? And maybe it was half an hour. It was just it was later. Um, generally, for more like M two O, there's prone, then sup, then foil, and then wing foil. I think as well um, this year. But yeah, I guess you're asking about um, M two M. M two M is generally a smaller race, and it's a smaller channel too, but I still had moments out there where I'm the only, feel like I'm the only person out there. Yeah, um, right. so, th- so you don't want to be relying on following someone else. That's for sure. Like the, the watch is a really good one. Your, your phone on you is like almost the best thing. And, and I'm not sure reception, there's reception in the middle, but there would be reception close to the island. And um, at some point you'd, you'd be able to paddle to reception. Um, but, but, you know, you need this, got an email today from Claire saying safety stuff. So you need life jackets, you need a whistle, you need a mirror, you need, um, I'm not sure they said flare, but there's a bunch of things that are, you know, you need. And obviously we, we, we can't take the piss. Like obviously you can get away with, there's no escort and you can get away with that, but you've got to have the safety equipment and, and you sort of have to do that because the organisers have trusted us. Yeah, so we, you don't so want we to have blow to, that. Yeah. You don't want to blow it, exactly. You don't want to yeah. ruin it for everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, M2M is a tricky one in terms of less people, smaller channel, but um, where do you finish on the island, I guess, you know, and no escort. So you're relying on sort of other people, and but you don't necessarily <laughs> see other and people. So and then the, the best way for training for this race would just be doing heaps of this Maliko run in, in Maui because that's kind of the first half or? Um, it's so M to M is like, it's a good race, but the first half is definitely more cutting right because you want to get across to Molokai and then sort of run down the island. Um, if you go straight, you sort of end up on the Nye and then you got to cut across towards the end. Um, so it's a Maliko runs very straight and almost running left towards the end you could almost just for training you want to and same for m2o you want to practice cutting right so if the wind's blowing straight down the barrel you want to be going with it and then cut across and then go with it and then cut across so on a foil you've got the advantage that you can cut some really big angles and especially with these high aspect foils cutting across is is getting easier and easier 
Um, so it's definitely not straight down the barrel. Don't don't be thinking it's that. But yeah, it's it's as straight down the barrel as a channel crossing comes from my experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like that race is more straighter than the M2O, which is hard right, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I think I'm a bit biased because I love surfing right and the southerlies we have here in Sydney are generally you're going to have to surf right because you're fighting the swells that are wrapping into shore. Um, as an Aussie, I think it's kind of standard. It's not too hard to cut right, but for a Hawaiian, it's a hard right. <laughs> Just, just because I say that because Hawaiians generally have better conditions, so they've got wind at their back and they're going with the wind. Whereas in oh, Australia, okay. we we have coastlines that headlands and funny wind directions and um, Californians as well. They're always cutting right. Yep. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So there's there's um different you know levels of cutting right. And I know in WA. They always cut left, so whenever mm-hmm. whenever they have to cut right, they find it really hard, and they're like, "Oh, it's so hard to cut right." It's like, "Yeah, I've been cutting left all all summer, <laughs> and you have to cut right for one race in the doctor." Um, and you, it, to me, it's a straight run, but I'm very natural footed in that I like to go right, so it's um not so big an issue for me. Whereas the lefts, cutting left has always been trickier, which is our nor'easters here, which we tend to I I find I tend we tend to get less of them. Um, and I guess the coast is probably less, it, it's better for the nor'easters, it seems, than the southerlies, and that's, it's straighter. So it sounds like what we've been getting in our winter months here now is kind of similar to what we're going to probably experience over there. Cut and right, big swells, kind of pretty windy. Yeah. Not that the, we've been getting a heap of runs, but like yeah, when we when, have. When it's on, it's kind of, similar. The, the like difference, I guess, is that the air temperature and, and the swell size. A lot of the time yeah. in this time of year, we get bigger swells which and like longer period swells, which in Hawaii in summer, it's more that mid-period stuff, trade swells, which is just the winds blowing for a long time. So you're not going to get like 20-second periods or like 15-second periods. They're more about sort of 8 to 12 seconds, and that's really good for downwind because um, it's shorter. So then there's more bumps to sort of get take, adv- take advantage of it. Um, yeah, it's interesting this year because Hood River's in between M2M and M2O and Hood River's a very different race to M2M, which is also a very different race to M2O. So for, for me in like sort of training, day runs are really good training for Hood River, but they're not such good training for M2O. Um, so, um, and Hood River is, is like the, the, the pinnacle of day runs, you know, you've got the tide against you, you've got the wind blowing down a, you know, down the down the gully, down the river, and it's um very organised compared to an ocean run. Um, so that'll be really really interesting. And I def I saw on a thread that Kane was saying he's got one foil for, he's planning on using one foil for M to M Hood River and M to O, and I thought that was pretty game because wow. because I couldn't imagine using the same foil for M to M as M to O just because of the start and finish of M2M versus M2O. And then for Hood River as well, because you're compromising somewhere within there. Um, it either suggests that he's got a really, uh, a foil with a really big range on it, um, so super high aspect, or or he's just using what he has available, you know, so. Are you going to Hood? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm. Looks like I'm going to be over there for Saturday, but I, I want to get back over to Hawaii for 
for to sort of continue my prep for for M2O because that's kind of my main focus. But yeah, I'm going to go to to Hood River for the for the downwind fall race and a little bit of um toad foil um business trip with um Marcus and Ben. Yeah, should check out the shops and whatnot. Yeah, lovely. Um, so it'd be cool to check out big winds and oh the Hood River froth. It's pretty sick over there. I'm I'm actually excited to get there. I'm sad it's I'm sad it's the week before M2O because it was the week after I would have probably spent a bit more time there. But because it's sandwiched in between M2M and M2O, um, it'll be a strike mission. Yeah, me too. I'm kind of smelling it so crammed in because I'm um I'm gonna wait for the the second event that ASWI yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But then I heard it's riskier time to go because there might not be as much wind. So yeah, it's uh, it is what it is. You you you, you can is. get you can get skunked in July as well in in Hood. I've been there. Yeah. I think I've been there four times, and definitely there's been days without wind in in July. You know, and if you're yeah. there for three or four days, it's like oh, <laughs> hope I don't get like a a heat trough. Um, no wind, but. Yeah, it's still a cool place to hang out anyway. It's hikes and stuff to do and heaps of cool people to visit. Um, but it'll be, it'll be exciting. Um, it looks like the, the wing course race would be pretty fun too, which I would have been cool to stick around for, but I want to try to get back to to Hawaii and have the most rest between and in your same climate and less travel sort of stuff going on. Yeah, totally. You don't want to be all jet lagged and feeling a bit off and stuff. Yeah, and probably won't matter, but also the families, <laughs> the families over in Hawaii, and they're not coming to Hood, so it'll be a quick in yeah. and out. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, obviously, the Molokai to Oahu, and that's 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 the pinnacle to me. And I was chatting to Marcus about it yesterday, and we we're talking about how it's the pinnacle to us. But for a lot of people, Molokai to Oahu is like this distant sort of too hard basket, cool to watch and cool to read about the results, but not really something that they'll ever actually do. Um, I feel like the foil and the equipment's making it easier, but it's still a gnarly race. Like it's the channel of bones. It's it's the channel that like Eddie Eichau got lost yeah. in. Like that's it's. I heard about this race obviously when I was a grommet and seen like Jamie Mitchell and just had all these crazy Ironman kind of, of in my head. They're the type of people who do it, and I've known a couple like people personally, and never actually thought that I would ever do it. And I think if it was, you know, prone or uh, like prone paddling, I don't know if I'd have it in. Like, obviously, if you trained enough, it would have it in me. But like, definitely the the foil has opened up a category that has made it achievable now. I think maybe just because I've put all my eggs in this basket and I just love it and it's all I can think about. And it's yeah. just... It's and, definitely the most rewarding that... of the three, <laughs> prone, right. stuff and foil. Like, yeah, yeah, it's more surfing less paddling that's for sure exactly yeah yeah but also like on that like the prone the the, the fastest time on the prone is like i think it's like four and a half hours the fastest time on the sup is just under four hours and then the fast time on the foil is like just over two hours you know so it's like yeah. it's it's a very different race like i remember the first year i did it i was chatting to some of the prone girls um after the race and and they're like oh you're like how'd you go I'm like oh you're doing all right he was like four and a half, five hours. Like, how about you guys? Oh, we're out there for eight hours. I'm like, eight hours? Like, <laughs> that's a different race altogether. You know, like yeah. the, the 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 stock guys are crazy. I've always done unlimited, but the, like the stock, so like 12 foot or 14 foot boards, um, it's a long way. But on the as you said, on the foil, it makes it easier as long as, well, it makes you think it's easier. I think it's probably not necessarily going to be easier. It's just more to navigate. 
Um, but if everything goes well, it's going to be a much shorter race. It, it could very well be a longer race. If- yeah, that's what I want to... Um, I've been sent a few links recently of these like uh, OC1 races that have gone in the last couple of weeks. And I guess there is a potential for it to be fully glassy, right? Yeah, first year I did it, 2016, I think there was like a six foot south swell and it was no wind. It was like glassy. The, the, yeah. only, the only bumps we caught was off China Wall. There was rebound running across to a can we had to paddle around and then there were six foot waves coming in at the finish. It was crazy. But for, a good photo for, foil, of like, for foil, what's what's going to happen with that? Like, do they still run it and just like people just pump and then connect swells or are they going to maybe postpone it to the other next day? Like, how's it work? I don't think they've ever postponed it. Um, any of the races for Mon- for Monaco, not that I know of. Um, personally, I- I'd be happy to, to to go. I've I've done the training that like there's always energy, and even that year that it was no wind, there were swells that you could have hundred percent foiled. Um, okay. But it wouldn't have been as fun as it was in 2019 when the winds were howling. Um, yeah. The difference was 2019 the headwind at the finish was stupid and there were no waves, whereas 2016 or maybe it was 2015, but the year that it was flat with swell. Like you could almost, like I think Travis Grant pulled away from the outside and surfed it all the way to the end. And so if it's bad in the middle, at least it's good at the end. <laughs> and if it's good in the middle, it's going to be bad at the end. So it's kind of one of those ones that it's going to be, it's going to be bad at some point <laughs> regardless. Yeah. But yeah. Definitely better if the middle's got a bit more assistance because that middle's, you know, 45 cats. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like we're still going and we got to bring probably big foils, I guess, if, or like big high aspect foils in case it is glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did 20 beaches when it was like, I was trying to get out the local crew to come join me, but there was like no wind. There was a, like a, maybe a five knot southeast breeze that picked up like halfway through the race, but there was, there was swell. And because, yes, the, the, the best thing is that there's trade swell that time of year. Like the easterlies are going to be blowing majority of the time. Even if there's no wind on the day, there will be energy running that way. And I know you've, experience that josh like when there's at home here and there's a northeast wind blowing for two or three days it can the wind can go northwest and you're still getting bumps um even though the wind's like almost in your face or you know crossways um so it's not enjoyable but you got to train for it all and that's yeah no i've definitely um i've been eyeing off the shittier days because i I feel like they're the days that you learn stuff because there's not as much energy out there so you got to tap into whatever you can get Versus yep. the days where it's good, you just, you know, you can make a mistake. There's something six feet behind you that's going to push you again. So yeah. it's, I kind of like as brutal as it is, like I did one the other day, seven knots. Um, swell, majority of the swell wasn't going the direction that I was going, but there was enough fetch from that seven knots or 10 knots or whatever that allows you to get from point a to point b and i yeah. just like it was a brutal downwind but it was it's good you learn yeah that's that's one of the things that um people traveling to do hawaii and you know the races in july have generally done pretty well the aussies have done very well in molokai tuahu in in the past like jamie mitchell for example um travis grant because they've always trained in all conditions whereas the hawaiians generally speaking they don't get out of they don't think it's windy until it's 25 30 knots so they're only training when it's windy because that's when it's the most fun they're ignoring the 10 10 knot days five to 10 knot days because if every day is 30 knots then of course you're going to ignore the 10 knot day you, you, your level of windiness changes um so it's 
yeah, we had the advantage that our conditions suck. So if conditions suck for race day, we're used to it. Mm, <laughs> Which yeah, that's you know, cool. So yeah. it's always been interesting looking at that. That the year, the first year I did Molokai in the SUP, about half the field pulled out because there was no wind. And everyone had trained thinking it was a downwind race, but I've always said Molokai to Oahu is an ocean race. It's not necessarily downwind. And even if it is downwind, it's very tricky. So it's you need to be able to read the ocean and not just go straight with the wind because you'll end up too far south if you just follow the wind. Yeah. I noticed the other day when we were training uh, flat water paddling, you're playing around with some longer size boards compared to what you've been riding. Um, yeah. What are you... What are your thoughts on that? Like, are you kind of thinking, you know, something that you can flat water start a tiny foil on? Is that what you're thinking? Or Yeah, well, look, I guess, you know, we're not surfing downwind when we're racing. It's as much as that pains me to say, like, where you're going for speed. So if you're, if you're on a longer board that allows you to get up earlier on a smaller foil, it's going to allow you to basically be quicker, not just because you're quicker um, getting up, and not because you're quicker getting up, but also there's just less time not going. So I think there's been rumors of people paddling like like an eight foot board in Maui is now considered short. I heard, um, and there's like nine and ten foot boards that are getting around. Um, I've in the last six months, I've only really just gone to a six ten, um, and I can paddle up most conditions on that. Um, and I've just gotten a few new boards closer to eight feet and. I haven't tried them downwind yet because they had a little bit of wind, but I was having a rest day. Um, and I, so I haven't really had a good test of, of what I think, but definitely it's easier paddling up a board that's eight foot than a board that's 610. That's kind of obvious. Um, mm. But it really just, I don't know. I'll be able to, I'm going to bring a few boards over, I think, to Hawaii um, and see what, what the, what the story is for me over there. And, maybe conditions pending, but for a race, it makes a lot of sense to go a longer board just because you can get up sooner and use a smaller foil. Even if you're getting up at the same time, it's, it's going to be quicker in terms of the point A to point B, but also I love turning and surfing, but maybe that's for the, for the training runs, not so much the, yeah. the race day. I was kind of stoked. I got to try a few of those longer boards because it kind of, it settled my thoughts on chasing, you know, what I've heard in Hawaii, those guys going to nine footboards and, you know, stupid skinny. Cause I, I found from what, what I was paddling the other day, like it didn't, it didn't benefit me. No, like, it was it hard because it was a different, different bottom shape. So just a different board altogether. Yeah. It probably yeah. would have been, you know, to have a Sultan that was eight, eight foot probably would have been better than comparing a, an aviator that was eight feet because the, the Sultans with that, you know, the, the, the pintail with no rocker, um, it's a different kind of style of paddle up. It's like more almost back foot to like sort of bounce it up like this. Whereas the aviators are more, you must got to keep them flatter because if you sink right. the tail, then you're going to, the, the, it's like, it almost stops you. I don't know. It's, it's a, just a different, there's all the boards have different, traits i guess and i feel like the aviators are good at um planning to releasing whereas the sultans have a different sort of paddle up style and it's more about working that sort of pumping motion and speed and you can almost paddle it up because of all the speed you can generate from on the water whereas the aviators are more we don't go as fast through the water 
But when yeah. you start to pump and release them, they they seem to release earlier. So it's a different. But it was I, what I was trying to say is like I I liked how it shut down the theory of like not shut down because like obviously like what you're saying like different boards and stuff. But I feel like you can get carried away with always wanting something that you don't have. You're like yeah. you know, oh if my if my board was six inches longer and half an inch narrower, I could easily get up. But like it's, I feel like it. At the end of the day, it nearly comes down to like your technique and training and getting used to what what you got. That's, that's the most like, important thing. You know, getting used to what you have, because if you yeah. were to use an eight foot aviator on the day of the race, because you're like, oh, if I got, I got the chance to use an eight foot one, and I've been using a seven foot, the eight foot would be heaps easier. But if it's a bottom, if it's a different bottom shape, different different outline, all that sort of different stuff. Different technique and paddling up as well. It's like, like okay, yeah, well, the, the best board you have is the one you're used to. Yeah. And I've definitely learned that from my multiple yeah. <laughs> I failed downwinds, but where I'm like tuning my gear uh, differently on like a longer run. And then I'll feel on my first paddle up or as soon as I get going, I'm like, fuck, this doesn't feel good. And you yeah. just got to commit because you're, you know, you can't change your gear when you're out there. But yeah, I just, I've gotten comfy on the, my gear, but like obviously always, tuning and changing a few little things here and there but yeah you gotta you gotta just get out on the flat water or or like even just like a, a, a like a surf session on your on your sup just to feel how it feels with taking off and the yeah. lift through turns and through energy yeah, i just did a session like that yesterday and i've been sort of hanging because i got a few new boards and a few new foils and i want to try to test them out and i've been hanging to just get some downwind conditions in and just sort of waiting waiting nothing in the forecast so i went out yesterday had a little beach break empty pretty much empty just foilers <laughs> and we they were they were chipping in but i was sort of just sitting wider and i was doing you know just pumping around in circles basically and actually anthony was out there he's like are you training for molokai <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like yeah dude why else would i be pumping around for six minutes at once <laughs> there's no waves <laughs> there's, no, there's no wind he's like oh sick and he was frothing <laughs> but i was like that's what you have to do when there's no wind and you know it's there's i guess three things that to to me you've got to practice when you're learning when you're when you're training for a race and that's time on foil so that's just the pump and and but so that's time on foil which is the pump how to pump your board and um, time your paddle stroke that sort of stuff and then reading the ocean so obviously waves versus downwind is pretty different but it's all maneuvering your board into the right spot so they're the two most two important things once you're up but then also the third thing is paddling up and so i was making a point of not paddling up onto waves i was trying to paddle up like if the waves are breaking this way i was paddling up across because no. i didn't want i didn't want to be using the wave energy to get up every time um so and i was pumping headwind there was a, it was bugger all wind but a few of us commented man that easterly is like hard to pump into so i was you know pumping into the wind and it was just building all those you know the how to pump my board, how to use the paddle to help, how to settle the heart rate, how to breathe, how to all those things. And actually, you know, with the downwind equipment in the surf, you can kind of create your own downwinder. I think I did, um, I did about ten k's yesterday, just in the surf, sort of going around in circles and tested a bunch of gear. So it was very useful, you know, and it wasn't a good forecast for downwinding. <laughs> so. You know, that's for those that don't have wind and they're doing or signed up for any of these downwind races. Don't feel like you've got to wait for wind. You can, you can create that 
downwind experience, I guess, in in the surf. And it's actually harder pumping in and out through waves of, you know, talking to Oscar yeah. about his his um surf world record that was broken by Dylan. And like it's yeah, it's harder. Yeah, I did a good one the other uh, last week where we had, you know, terrible downwind wind it was like, like you know straight on shore but like it was like 15 knots so enough to go downwinding so i would paddle I, I did like three in and outs paddling from the shore out to the point of my local beach which is, which is probably just under a kilometer paddle on your chest yeah and then i would get out there and was practicing my paddle up um and then would pump back to shore and would just do that and i felt like that was really good molokai training because you know, if you come down at the end, you got to paddle your board yeah, on your chest. Yeah. 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 So I was just like, and I was gassed after my third run of that. I was like, yeah, so it was good. And I got like little downwind runs. So it's enough to keep me happy. So yeah. Yeah. And you're working the paddle good. up, you're working the reading the bumps and then you're yeah. working. Yeah. I need to, I need to, I'm not, <laughs> paddle I, don't, on my chest. I don't want to be paddling <laughs> it on my chest if I can avoid it. I'd prefer to just practice staying up into the wind, but shit happens, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you reach a tip or you run over a bit of plastic or there's a boat or you know whatever it is there's things that can happen you got to plan for everything so um i guess yeah, on molokai to oahu it's there's that like we talked about the unicorn foil you don't want to be on such a big fall that you can pump up wind and then be hanging on in the middle losing all this speed um and you know you see kai and jeffrey back in 2019 jeffrey smoked kai through the channel but kai smoked jeffrey upwind you know and no. it was that was the race I want to know also, um, like, obviously, you just shared like your training tips and stuff. But have you been going into diet a little bit, or are you just kind of keeping it how you are normally? Or like yeah. leading up to the race, do you change a few things and like, you know, maximize your proteins or something, or your carbs? Or yeah, just I'm curious. I'm like pescatarian, so mainly just eat veggies, and then I eat fish sort of when I'm out. Um, and I don't, we don't normally cook fish, but if we're away and having rest, restaurants and we sort of add fish to the menu, um, just so it's a bit easier to eat. Um, but yeah, I don't change too much. I try to eat healthier. Like I'll have less, you know, you know, less sugar, bakery goods, you know, and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> but like, you know, try to try to be on your best behavior. But um, it's I don't not a big believer in diet, so to speak, because I feel like they're short term. So I just try to be consistent with what I'm eating and have variety in the vegetables and carbs. I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably big on carbs. Like I, if I'm training more, I'm having more carbs because I'm hungrier. So yeah. another, another scoop of rice or another bit of, I have like oats in the morning and you know, it's heaps of nuts. And so know. it sounds like it's pretty, you know, uh, organic and, and natural versus like, you're not going down the road of like all these supplements and stuff like that or yeah is very natural and he does like everything that isn't supplements and stuff he loves all the natural stuff but yeah. yeah yeah i guess look in terms of nutrition like if you can see like what it is it's best <laughs> because it basically the more like the supplementary things i guess they've got to be processed to get into that sort of level so if you could take those supplements the same stuff naturally like from a you know pull it out of the ground and you know cook it up or whatever you want to do with it it's probably better but um sometimes those things just aren't available so i'm not against supplements by any means but definitely you got to pick and choose which are the right ones um yeah i find like um i've like i've done a lot of travel recently and it's really hard 
to keep yourself pretty healthy when, you know, traveling to different countries, you don't know, you know, where the good spot to buy food from and you're eating a lot of shit. And like, that's one thing that I'm a little bit nervous about and try and, uh, try and like kind of have the diet that I have here at home because I know when I get to uh, especially America, it's so hard to, you know, keep healthy. Yeah, so, something as simple as bread in the US is yeah. hard to find good stuff. It's like exactly. full of sugar. It's like yeah. fairy so, bread over there. It's um crazy. But so, yeah, you, you definitely tune into like I'll show you around now, mate. I got a few spots. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh definitely it's it's tricky and I totally hear you. And that's that's why I kind of like your less processed stuff. Because every every country, no matter where you go, has sweet potato, um, tomatoes, capsicum friggin' pumpkin, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, yeah. like, and you can make a lot of good things with all that. And like, you know, you got your, you know, you got your seeds and nuts and beans and you can, you can do a lot with that sort of stuff is what I've found. Um, even something as simple, like a lot of people go to Bali and they get barley belly and my, my wife and I've had it before as well. But we, last time we went, we, we'd gone vegetarian and like, we just, we just ate veggies and we none of us could we didn't get barley belly and I've heard similar stories. I guess it's harder to harder to get sick from veggies than than meat. Um not saying that meat's bad, I think meat's important to have in your diet, but personally I've just felt better without having it and less sickness and food poisoning, I guess it's no, that, examples. That's, that's yeah, that's it's good to hear. Um while we're talking about that, I think another one that adds into it is uh like, how do you go with rest? Like, are you, like, you, I think I talked to you how you said uh, if you do this um, downwind race from, oh, hang on, I've lost my chain of thought. When are you going to do a downwind race from one island to the other because you get a free lift back and then do that the day before or something like that? You'll tell me. Yeah, it I could have been. Logistics. I it forgot. Could have been, um, one of the one of the days I did a, a run from um, Sydney to um, a race up around Newcastle. Um, I think it was Catherine Hill Bay. So it was the Mooney, the, the Moon Island Classic. And I was training for a foil sort of thing. And I foiled up to Nora Head and the wind was pretty shit. So friends of mine picked me up from there. So I was going to go all the way to the start, but the wind wasn't good enough. So, and then we drove like 20 minutes to the, to the race. I did the race on the stand up and then we drove home. Um, definitely not. The, the best pre preparation for the sup race, but the sup race wasn't really my priority at that time. Um, it was training for the foil, long distance foil stuff. I was, I was training for the, the, the downwinder, the 200k downwinder I did. Um, and that was like a free lift, basically. I didn't have to no. worry about like logistics, essentially. But I definitely would not, eh, I wouldn't say it's the best thing to do. Um, if, I, I, yeah, I know when I go there, my like, I'm not going with my missus, so my plan's to downwind every day. And yeah. like, obviously, that might be a bit taxing on the old body if you're. But then I think a lot of the runs on both islands they're not more than twenty k's, are they? Uh, depends, I guess, how what run you're doing. But the the standard runs are closer to fifteen for sure. Okay, um, so I guess you could. That's manageable. Like you're not. I feel like if you're doing, you know. 40 to 50k runs every second day like yeah, you're you gonna could. get burnt out big time yeah. yeah and look and it depends what you're training for too like which we're doing a 50 52 kilometer race you know so 
if you're paddling 52, if you're falling 52 Ks every day, you're going to be cooked. You know, mm. that's, that's the most distance you need to do. Um, I guess in terms of training stuff, I've always said you're better off doing two 15 kilometer paddles or foils than you are one 30 K foil because you can do more quality and have like rest and refuel and recover better in between. So doing one 30 K foil, you're going to go into more fatigue. So, if, you know, if, if the race, if you're only there for a week and the race is the last day of the week and you get there and you but do, isn't, do isn't that runs. training the aerobic part? Because in a 15, you might not even get in, into aerobic. Yeah. Look, there's, you just don't want to be doing it all the time. So yeah, like, yeah. you know, to, to, to do a 52 K foil, you actually don't ever have to do 52 Ks in training. You could do 30 K runs, 40 K runs. Um, but you don't have to do the actual distance technically. It, a lot of it's the, the, the longer runs are kind of more for testing your nutrition. So knowing what to eat, what to drink on the run, how you're going to do it, how you're going to go about paddling with the stuff on you, how you're going to get up and foil with the stuff on you. Um, and it's just that confidence. Okay. I know I've done this before. I've paddled with this much equipment on me. I know I can get up in anything and it's going to be fine versus, um, going into an unknown thinking, oh, I haven't tested this nutrition and maybe we're going to get a stomach cramp. Maybe, maybe I don't have enough food. Maybe I've got too much food and not knowing. So it's more about nutrition. I feel like the longer foils, a lot longer, longer runs we do, um, than it is actual distance because I know plenty of people that have been out in really bad conditions for three hours over a 20K run. And if conditions are good, they're going to be out there for three hours for a 50K run. You know what I mean? So the time isn't so much the issue and the kilometers aren't so much the issue. The quality it's, of the, the Yeah, and, and when we're training, it's about um, you make gains by, you know, doing exercise. But if you do too much exercise, you actually lose because you too fatigued. So you're balancing this fitness versus fatigue and then you have your form, you know. So it's it's really important to to not overdo it. <laughs> And then not to underdo it and just sort of tread that middle line. So you're, you're steadily increasing it. And basically the trick is um, baby steps, write it down. If I did a, if I did a 10 K foil this week, next week I'm going to do an 11 K foil. And the week after I do a 12 K foil and the week after I'm not all of a sudden going to do a 24 K foil because conditions are good realistic, realistically to make it the steady growth. I should do another 13 K then 14 K then 15 K then 16 K and that steady growth is going to get you in the long run, much better, um, much better growth because you're not going to get fatigued. So I, if I go 10, 11, 12, 24, I'm going to be really tired after that 24K foil and I'm going to be tired into the next week. And if I then do a 14K next week, I won't be as strong because I'm fatigued as I would have been if I'd done a 13K the week before. So it's it's just about being disciplined. And look, I'm not perfect. I, if conditions are good, I'm looking to do a longer one. <laughs> yeah, we, we all are. But like in terms of like your perfect training plan, it's yeah. not that hard. It's just increase stuff a little bit at a time. And the hard thing is with the ocean and wind and whatnot and, you know, downwind foiling, it's not something that's a controlled environment. It changes a lot. Mm. And that's that's the hardest bit. But if you can make it as... I guess a linear, <laughs> linear increase as you can, then it's going to make it easier for you. Even if something as simple as if you're doing like gym workouts and you do 10 push-ups the first week and you do three rounds of that. Next week, you do 12 push-ups and you do three rounds of that. 
week after you do 14. And it's just like something as simple as just gradually stepping it up and say you're doing two sets every week, continue to do two sets every week and just make it a little bit harder each time. It's people confuse, people make it more confusing than it needs to be. Oh, you got to do this and you got to do that. You need to do this. And it's like, sometimes it's as simple as just listen to your body. And if you feel crook, but your session says you've got to do, you know, a 20K downwinder, but you're not feeling like 100%, you're fighting off a bit of a cold, probably better off resting. Yeah. And doing that 20K, maybe just missing that 20K downwinder and leaving it for next week because it's, you're not going to, it's the fatigue versus fitness. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hard part to balance it out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's yeah. good to hear. Like you've obviously, you know, one of the best downwinders in the world and done the longest kilometers. So it's it's interesting. It's cool to hear you, you know, these training regimes and stuff. And yeah, and I guess for the two hundred, like I didn't paddle two hundred k's before. Like <laughs> it wasn't going to help me. Like six months out, if I'd done, I think I did one hundred and twenty, and that was the first I'd ever done beforehand. That was just sort of to more sort out logistics in terms of the run, in terms of what I was carrying on me. And knowing how far I could go without doing a swap of, um, you know, packs. Um, but I so loaded up. I had like six liters of water and food and, you know, and that, that sort of stuff. So like, you, you, you figure out what those sorts of logistics and you figure out, yeah, the body can do it. But if, if you can do two hours or two and a half hours out in the water, you can do, you can do 12 because it's all about refueling your body and continuing to refuel it whilst you're out there. Oh, then the last question before you got to go. Um, so are you bringing fuel on these races or do you just like machine it, you know, because yeah, you've it's, a really, it's a really tricky distance. Like a two hour race is like, I, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to be doing two hours. You know, if you're looking at what Kane's times are like one forties, one fifties at some point in the race, you know, that certainly drags your average down close to 30 Ks an hour rather than 20 and it's a 52 K race. So if you're averaging anything over 26 Ks an hour, it's two hours. And obviously the finish is going to slow you up and the beginning is going to slow you up a touch, but the, the bulk of the race is in the wind. So I think two hours is probably about where we're looking. You give or take, um, you know, 15, 20 minutes either side, I reckon. Um, and I think you do need fuel, like definitely water because it's hot over there um, and you're going to oh, be sweating, yes. sweating yes. a lot. So like electrolytes, um, carbohydrate sort of mix in your drink, which isn't natural. Like I was talking about having like, uh, it's easier to drink than it is to eat. So if you can drink your food, it's easier, but obviously it's not as good for the, the body. You know, that's exactly. a carbohydrate, like a, is it natural honey? Is that a carbohydrate? I don't, I've never used, I've always just used the powders, which isn't, okay. it's, it's just supplements, you know, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. it's just been no real way around it because the honey kind of settles at the bottom. So you get nothing until uh, the end yeah. or it gets yeah, stuck yeah. in the bottom. So it's yeah. a bit trickier than, trickier than you'd think, you know, gels, people talk about gels. I prefer to take like fruit, like an apple or a banana is going to be better to me um, than a gel because gels are, bit processed yeah um, totally. i've had i've had bad guts from gels before um and like the reason i'm asking this is because i've personally found uh you know a vest that's loaded up it's a lot harder to paddle up because sure. you're heavier yeah and like it's just bulkier like it throws your weight off a bit like um, you got to train you know? with it i think is, yeah. is the answer yeah. so yeah. yeah when you're doing flat water paddle ups you should be 
with you, you know, a two, litres, two litres of water, a banana at the front, an apple <laughs> on the side, you know. <laughs> You're ready to go. Gels and stuff down the back. Yeah. Because tape, to your, tape to your paddle or whatever it is. I was yeah. talking to Perth the other day. I showed him my vest and I was like, fuck, this is pretty heavy. And he was like, mate, I'm not fucking wearing a vest. I'm going to... Uh, just foil, and then he he reckons the boat's going to throw in food or water or something. Or yeah, there's there's definitely ways around it, but you got the risk of um, one coordinating that and risking falling, falling off, off. Maybe falling, falling off because off. you're trying to catch an apple or something. You fall off once, you're better off paddling up with the water that's heavy at the start. You know, so yeah. it's it's yeah. it's a tough one for sure. Like it's. Yeah. It's all stuff you just got to practice. So if you're going to do because it, is, is there? I've heard like whispers. What's the rules? You can't touch the boat or something, can't you? No, you can't touch the boat. So normally in the past, like I've had a nutrition person on my boat, and they'll actually jump off the boat and they'll hand me water, and then they'll swim back up onto the boat with the foil. I'm not sure how it's going to work because on the sup you're going like eight k's an hour or like or ten k's an hour. Whereas in the yeah. foil, you're like going 20 to 30 k's an hour. Yeah. So for a boat to stop and have someone jump in and hand you stuff, it's much harder. So like what we practiced um, with Zane on the 200k downwind was he had like a... A gap. Um, yeah, on the <laughs> stick. He could freaking just grab it. But like then you got to take off what you're wearing so, and put it on. So I think whatever you got to do, you just got to practice it. So if you're going to start with it, you got to practice paddling up and that. And if you're not going to start with it and do a change... I'm going to go first. Yeah, I think there's – because you don't have to wear a life jacket because you've got an escort boat with you. I think a um, like a life jacket is probably not the best thing because it's extra weight that you don't necessarily need. But like Camel Pack have like, you know, little bags. Yeah. Um, and you, you have that one with that's the – That's what I bought, yeah. Yeah, I things on the one, front. Like one of those, I think it's a – they call it a hydration running vest. Yeah, it's yeah, like perfect. And you can stash food running. in the front too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got heaps of pockets and yeah. But it, it's I was surprised the weight on it. Like, yeah. But um, it's what's good is that it evens the weight out because there's little drink bottles at the front, like on your chest. I'm not putting as much in my back now. Yeah. So and it's all much tighter than a, a life jacket setup. Everything's a lot tighter and sticks yeah, to you. So, yeah. That's kind of that's that's what I went. So I'm still going to bring my life jacket because I've seen that email from. Yeah, I think for M2M I'll wear the life M2M, jacket. M2M, you have to wear a life jacket. Yeah, yeah. so I'll still bring yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting what everyone uses and what the sort of norm is, and if people go for the change, like you saw Jacko's M2M video last year where they're throwing apples at him, and he dropped one. We got the second one, and there's no doubt that him having to um, shift his focus from downwinding to then catching oh. an apple. I think going back to down winning, it's going to be way harder. So maybe it was be, he would have been better off having an apple in his pocket because an apple yes. isn't going to isn't going yeah. to ruin your your weight distribution, especially not for M to M. I I think you know, but it's yeah, he's got to train with it, train with it, get used to it, be ready to go yeah. when the race happens. Because if you don't, then yeah, and this is the stuff like all the stuff in the like the Coach Casey sort of online stuff and it's a bit more detailed on there. But talking about nutrition, talking about training talking about ways to train if conditions aren't right and you know cardio stuff versus um like aerobic versus anaerobic and there's there's a whole no not so much science it's a little bit science but it's kind of common sense when you step it out and having someone like for me even having to write the program each week and sending it out to crew for me it's it's like good discipline i know that if i'm setting this i've got to do this as well and 
It's better. They always I say don't... when you teach someone, you learn yourself. Oh, so much. Just drilling it into yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was writing out a course for for another sort of section of the Coach Casey Club, and just writing it. It's like I know all this, but when you write it down, it makes it really clear in your head. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of um, decodes what you're thinking. If you know what I mean. Um. Yeah. Cool. I, I think uh, we're going to go out for the afternoon walk before it gets too cold. Um, Mate, but, it's good chatting. Uh, yeah, well, I want to do more of these. So I'm going to get um, I know there's some crew heading up to Cairns um later in the month or later in July when we're in Hawaii. So I might get JB or um Tim Fitzsimmons, um, the crew up there who are heading heading there to get jump on the podcast and ask talk about what they're doing for it. Um, yeah, I'd love to I'd love to do that race. If I don't do Hawaii next year, I'd love to go up there. It sounds like a beautiful race. Yeah, poor man's Hawaii. Yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's it is pretty cool. Um, not a channel crossing, but it's um, it's a long race. Cool. Yeah, it mm. was pretty cool last year. They need to push the start back a little bit for the foils, or maybe just hope for a windier day because it was pretty small bumps at the start. But um, that's part of the challenge, right? Um, but yeah, let's start hyping up downwind month. When I, when I first started sort of stand-up paddling, racing, they had this thing, like they advertised it downwind month and SIC, a stand-up paddle brand, sort of sponsored it. And there was like all this media and stuff talking about the races. And um, it sort of, like after the second year of me racing, it sort of became less and less. And it was more about Euro Tour, which is more flat water racing. And I'm like, oh, I wanted the downwind stuff. And that's when I started. That's what it was about. But it's now, it's, it's like reinvigorating now with the foil and I'm pumped. But there's no, there's no like media outlet for foil. Yeah, um, that's why I think like, this is important. You know, we become our own media outlets and yeah, like, yeah. share let's just push it because yeah. like there's enough people who are so foil brained about it. They're finding all these little, you know, media outlets like you, and it's just yeah, yeah people are stri- like dying for this information. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. if it's just like you know Chinese whispers or something, I want to know what's going on. Fully, yeah. <laughs> it's um. App exciting times. Looking forward to to this, and then I'm also excited for um, WA later this year. Um, I forgot about that. Going to be going to fit that into your calendar somehow, mate. November, be there. Should be should be fun. For sure. Um, but yeah, hopefully the weed clears. Not <laughs> <laughs> going if there's weed. Freaking shit. <laughs> Every time I've gone, it's always been good. So if I oh, go, it you got to come. Yeah, you got to come. Yeah. 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 All right, right. mate. Yeah, cheers. I'll catch you later. Catch you um, later. Thanks, everyone, for listening along. Stay tuned for more.